Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The NFL is in Indianapolis for the Combine. The cattle call begins tomorrow, which means the draft is right around the corner. So let's go out to the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Trevor Sykema is a pro football focused draft analyst, and he joins us now. And Trevor, thanks as always for joining us. So you did a mock right after the Super Bowl. You had quarterbacks one, two, and three. I'm curious in your mind how close are Drake May and Jaden Daniels to Caleb Williams? And then where do Penix and Knicks fall for you? Yeah, so I actually think that it's, to me, and this is me personally, my own scouting evaluations, I think that it's a pretty clear Tier 1 with Caleb Williams at the very top. I also think it's a pretty clear Tier 2 with Drake May as my number 2. Then I would say that that, that Jaden Daniels is comfortably right below those two guys. I think J.J. McCarthy kind of comes into the mix. Bo Nix comes into the mix. Michael Penix is in there as well. But I see those guys as more, you know, potentially late first, early second round guys. Now, we know that the NFL is a business where if you don't have a quarterback, you better start taking a swing at one. So, you know, with that being the case, I think that it's fully reasonable to think that this upcoming draft could still start quarterback, 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 even with me being pretty confident in Williams at one, May at two, and then Daniels at number three. So that's the way that I've got it kind of locked up right now. And then, yeah, those other three guys I think are – it sounds like McCarthy's probably going to be a top 15 pick, yep. you know, something like that. We're just not sure exactly where it's going to be yet. And then I think next off the line it would be Knicks and then Penix somewhere on day two. Hey, Trevor, I know everybody's got their hot takes. I saw Merrill Hodge says he, he wouldn't take Drake May in the first round, and that's fine. But And, and I'm no expert, but am I crazy like – J.J. McCarthy, I watch him and nothing seems super impressive, so I'm a little surprised he's a first-round prospect. Yeah, so when I watch J.J. McCarthy, and, and I'll let you guys know, you know, we start this you know, scouting process for this year's class last summer. You know, we go right. through a summer scouting series, and I watched J.J. McCarthy's first year of him being a starter in 2022. I was not really impressed. It didn't really ask him to do a lot of things. Uh, it was an offense that was heavily predicated on simply winning up front, having a lot of time, having a lot of protection, and then running the ball. You know, they had Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, who were incredible in 2022, and that was a big part of their offense. And so, you know, McCarthy just was not asked to do a lot when it came to going through progressions, uh, feeling the pressure in the pocket, navigating the pocket. Like, he just was all very inexperienced in that area. And you could tell that he just didn't have a good grasp on pocket presence in 2022. I would say that all of those things, 
got better in 2023. Now, he still was not asked to throw for 300 yards a game every single game, and sometimes when those stats elude these guys, we have a tendency to think, okay, well, do they not have the capability to do it? I don't necessarily think that's the case given the context of Michigan's offense. Instead, I saw a player who was more confident on the move, more confident making passes outside of structure, uh, better off of play action, more confident over the middle of the field. And I think he's got a good arm. I think he's got decent accuracy. I think he's got good distance for it. It's not you know Drake May or Caleb Williams level, but I still think it is starting NFL caliber. And so he is somebody who, yeah, if you plop him into an NFL offense week one of next year, it might not look too pretty. Like he's going to have to go through some growing pains. But if you get him in a situation where, he gets to sit a little bit, you know, like what we think with, you know, Kenny Pickett or with what Sam Howell was, right, where you just you, you get some time, even if it's not a full year, just to sit and acclimate to NFL life and an NFL offense. I still think he could be somebody that eventually becomes a starting quarterback. And what I've heard is that teams who have gotten to know him and his camp and who he is as a, as a young man, really impressed with the head on his shoulders, how he processes things, how he's continuing to get better, and, of course, that uh, Jim Harbaugh background of, of a baseline for quarterback play. I'm interested in in Penix, uh, Trevor. I, I talked to some people about him and wrote about him a little bit at the Washington Post in November towards the end of the, the college football season, and, and some people I trust who've been pretty good evaluating quarterbacks over the years were pretty high on him. Um, and I know maybe the season didn't end the best way possible, and then I guess a little more has come out maybe about some underlying medicals with him. Is is the medicals the big deal with him? Like, does he does he need to convince the the medical teams that'll be poking and prodding him that he's a multiple contract guy more than anything else? You know, I'm actually least worried about the medicals, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, we've got two years of him being a fully healthy starter, and sure, maybe he's banged up a little bit here, but you know, when you talk about the shoulder injury and the ACL tears, like all of that is you know, he's two years removed from those major injuries, and he's played two full seasons over the last two years. So I'm not really worried about the injury history nearly as much as I am he is a flamethrower type of a passer, right? He's a gunslinger. He's not afraid to push the ball deep down the field, give his guys a chance to go up and get so many of these major explosive plays that we've seen over the last two years. But this past year specifically, I get a little bit nervous about him because when it, it, when it comes time to take a little bit of heat off of those passes, mm-hmm. put a little bit more air underneath it, show some touch, he's just not as comfortable in that area. And I think because of that, you see – the accuracy scores are good for Penix, but the true ball placement, that's something that still is, I would say, a step behind some of these other quarterbacks that I have ranked ahead of him. And I love Penix. I think he's got the arm for the NFL level. I think that there have been first-round quarterbacks who have been picked in the first round for less. I'll say yeah. that. But with so many good quarterbacks in this class who I think throw with a little bit better anticipation, touch, and specifically outside of structure plays. I mean, when he was moved off of his spot, his quarterback grade in our system dropped dramatically. So he's just not that kind of a quarterback. And that's just the NFL game is is not nearly as much of a hang in the pocket yeah. type of game. I mean, you gotta be mobile. You gotta be able to create for yourself. There's too many quarterbacks that do that for you to be able to pick one in the first round where there are other guys who may be better at it who are available in this class. So that's kind of my my encapsulation of Penix. Uh, I think he can be a starting quarterback still in the NFL, but those are my concerns with him. One more quarterback question because we have more we want to get to, and none of these dudes are going to be playing in Baltimore anyway. Uh-huh. But I am a little interested. I'm, I'm starting to detect some, some like, combine early smoke for Spencer Rattler. Like, I'm starting to see a lot of, like, pro Spencer Rattler stuff just sort of, like, coming across 
my timeline. Does he have a chance to to move up some boards? Well, I don't think that he's going to move up into round one, but no, I will no. say this. Yeah, J- Jim Nagy, the uh, executive director of the Senior Bowl, he, he tweeted out before the Senior Bowl began that NFL teams are higher on Spencer Rattler than draft media is. And when I think of you know people on social media, when you say the name Spencer Rattler, it, it, it comes with like a little bit of a shudder. Like people yeah. immediately think of their first reaction to him, or first impression, I should say, of Spencer Rattler, which was kind of this hot-headed gunslinger that we saw at Oklahoma, this careless passer, uh, the guy from the QB1 documentary. And since he has been in Columbia over the last two years, that is not the quarterback or the young man that, that has been there over the last two seasons. He's, just, he's got such a more mature game. I mean, for that guy to stay as positive and as uplifting to his teammates, as, as, as I think a lot of his accounts have kind of come out and defended him with, despite being pressured on almost 40% of his dropbacks this past year, I mean, he had reasons to throw other people under the bus, and he didn't do it nearly as much, if at all, than what we saw from him at Oklahoma. So I think there is a much bigger maturity to his game, and I think the NFL evaluators are truly taking Spencer Rattler as he is right now, which is a much, much better product and a guy worth investing in than what we saw at Oklahoma when we talk about the high recruiting pedigree and the QB1 documentary and all that stuff. He is not at that place, and I think because of that, yes, I believe he is a day two quarterback at this point somewhere on uh, maybe late early, maybe late second round, but somewhere on the third round, I think is, is where we're going to see him come off the board. Talking to Trevor Sikama, it's Inside Access here on The Fan. Trevor, before we let you go, here we are in Baltimore. I know you're mocked, you're post-Super Bowl mocked. You had the Ravens trading out of 30, but just some guys, assuming they stay at 30, that, that makes sense for you for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that wide receiver room, you know, they got Zay. I know Zay's uh, in the news for some bad reasons, but, you know, I think that that, that, that that wide receiver room kind of needs some extra juice anyways. I think the wide receiver would have been on the board for them as a compliment. I mean, they've got a great tight end passing game when Mark Andrews is in there and Isaiah likely, but they need another wide receiver at that point. I think it's a really good spot in the draft to be able to pick one up. You know, guys like Troy Franklin from Oregon, uh, maybe Brian Thomas Jr. if he makes it from LSU, and A.D. Mitchell from Texas. I think all of those guys as outside receivers could really help that passing attack. And then, you know, something on defense. I know people you know talk about corner a lot with this team. You know, there's some uncertainty with how free agency is going to go with a lot of their defensive front and I just think it's a sweet spot for a lot of those positions I I think that the Ravens are in a really good spot where they're picking at the back end of the first round some years it's not nearly as rich at the back end of the first round especially in those premium positions you know defensive line cornerback wide receiver this year I think they'll have the opportunity to get a really good starter so um, that's kind of the way that I see this draft class and it could really shape out to where the Ravens get a really nice starter despite them picking a lot later in the draft Trevor Sikkim is the lead NFL draft analyst for Pro Football Focus. Trevor, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Hey, coming up next, League at Large, and we'll hear some sounds from the Combine. A lot of talking going on there. Adam Peters, the GM of Washington. George Patton, GM of Denver. Jason Light in Tampa. We'll hear from these guys and more. Ryan Poles in Chicago. League at Large next here on The Fan. Inside Access on The Fan. Inside access to the National Football League. NFL insider Jason Lockenfora, Ravens insider Ken Wyman. Joining us now, the former Hall of Fame coach Bill Cowher, Boomer Esiason, the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, and the host of BFD. That's Baltimore Football Daily, Tim. 
Barbalese. The League at Large. Sponsored by New Look Home Design. Need a new roof? Call New Look Home Design. Save 50% on roofing materials plus 0% financing until 2024. Visit newlookhomedesign.com or call 800-279-5300. La Fan. You guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. It's Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, talking about trading Justin Fields before free agency. And uh, just from a cost certainty perspective, perspective when you got the number one pick and Caleb Williams is out there it seems like they're going to trade Justin Fields uh oh, I, that that was uh hey he's starting the auction like hey what do you got a bit I mean uh one and a three and a five one three five seven uh two ones and two twos like yeah he's on for business he come on down yeah. call me let's all do right by Justin Fields and find him a new home ASAP so how soon do you think that gets done yeah um, I'm going to say in the next 10 days. Nice. That's quick. I'm going to say next 10 days. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Justin Fields will have a new home in the next I don't know. Now, bone, I don't know if that'll be a bone in day uh, or a bone out. That yeah. might, that might, if that falls on a bone buffer day, then let, then I'm at 11. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause they'll wait. They'll wait for the bone. Of course. Yeah. Let's go from Chicago to Washington. New GM of the Commanders, Adam Peters, talks about evaluating the quarterbacks. The, the gist of it is it's people evaluating people, and especially when it comes to that position, uh, there's so much more that goes into it besides the tape. You know, if you're evaluating a defensive end, you know, I think we all can see what Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett looks like, and the quarterback. There's so much nuance that goes into it besides the talent, and the skill set, and the arm strength, and all that. So. Uh, with really quarterback or any position, um, you're always there's always a you're, it's people evaluating people. So it's gonna you're gonna make mistakes, and it's a matter of if you have a better hit rate. Really, that's the draft is to try to hit as, on as many as you can, and um, it, the more hits you have, whether it's the, the first round pick or the seventh round pick or anywhere in between, that's how you build your team. He went on to say, "People who know people are the luckiest people in the world. Huh. Uh, they they pick second. The commanders. Is that Babs? Yeah, yes, it's Barbara Streisand. Yes, I'm skewing young for the kids. Uh, second pick, they they got to be taking a quarterback, right? They're they not, are. Yeah. Uh, I, I had, you know, I, I listened to about 15 minutes of of Adam Peters today. I thought he was pretty good, pretty impressive. He's a smart guy, comes from a good organization, and he did at a, another point in time say, "Look, if I was as great as this as people want to think, we wouldn't have used the last pick on the draft on Brock Purdy. We would have, yeah, <laughs> we would have taken it much sooner." So um, we're not always going to find the kind of value that we found in, at the quarterback position um, as he did his last pick uh, in San Francisco at that position. I think our buddy Cordell Woodland's going to be pleased with this evaluation when it's all said and done. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to take the kid from LSU. They're going to take Jaden Daniels. Interesting. Well, let's go to Denver, where they have a Russell Wilson problem. They're going to pay him anyway, but uh, George Payton, uh, George Patton, GM of the Patton. Broncos, talks about Russell Wilson. It, it hasn't changed. You know, we're, we're, we want to see the entire landscape. We had to get through our draft meetings, and we had to get through our free agent meetings and evaluate with what we have. And, and 
And so we just want to get through the process. Sean needs to see all these quarterbacks. The, the coaches need to see all these quarterbacks until we make an informed decision. So uh, they're going to cut him at some point. <laughs> He also, uh, you know, he pointed out nobody's called. Like, yeah, yeah. nobody's taken that yet. Nobody's going to call. Yeah. No, nobody wants to help you thread that contractual needle. Yeah. More like help you live through your nightmare. Uh, Russ is doing the rounds, and then we're gonna have to look for some yeah. of the. He went two on Super some Bowls podcast, in five, five years. No, but he went on some podcast, and I, I, I only got to see a little bit of it during a break here. Uh, but he was basically saying like he felt like. Sean Payton was goading him into fire. Like, you know, because the personal conduct policy and the way these contracts read, like, it doesn't take a whole lot of there there for them to try to act like conduct detrimental to the yeah. team. They're trying to do everything they can to get him to jeopardize some yes. of this guaranteed money. Yes. So he kind of was alluding to, and again, we'll try to find the video for or the audio for you tomorrow. Um, but basically saying, like, they were pushing my buttons to see if I would push back. And I was just like, tiptoeing through the tulips i think reading through some of what he said he's going to sign uh, to be the backup in kansas city because he says he wants to win two super bowls in the next five years i don't see how uh, his best shot is to back up patrick mahomes in that case yeah two in five years yeah yeah because he's not doing it as a starter i don't see the match no. we were talking about this a little bit on the in the huddle podcast and like i i see i see fields going to pittsburgh atlanta or the raiders I see Cousins going back to Minnesota. Like, some of these you start to f- get a feel for. I have no feel for Russell Wilson. I mean, I don't know I don't know where, I don't know know where. how that's going to yeah. shake out. Yeah, I said who wants him. Uh, let's do one more because this is interesting. Andrew Barry, GM of the Browns, talks about his proposal to move the trade deadline back. We wanted to retroactively correct the fact that the trade deadline never moved when uh, the season expanded to 17 games. And then really number four – if at some point in the future the regular season expands to 18 games, we wanted to be proactive in terms of the positioning for the trade deadline. One of the things that we found, Tony, or I'll, I'll touch on two parts. You're probably getting more than you bargained for here, but I'll touch on two parts here. Um, if you look at us compared to the other major sports leagues, um, if you if you look at their seasons by like calendar days or games played, baseball and basketball they have the trade deadline at when 65 percent of the games are played hockey's at 78 percent currently we're at 45 uh our friend jonah schaefer from the baltimore banner said he had asked john harbaugh a similar question in like november and he was for this kind of thing as well. i think football people are the people you have to convince are the ones who matter which are the billionaires who aren't football people huh. um yeah it, everything and that's that's a marylander there andrew yeah, Barry, yeah. he's a marylander Everything he's saying makes perfect sense. And you, you mentioned him sort of, I mean, you heard him sort of cavalierly just sort of mention 18 games. Everybody knows that's, that's, yeah. that's happening. Yes. That's happening. Give it three years towards the back end of the CBA. That's happening. Uh, when they can start opting out of their TV contracts. Because why would they do that? Well, they do that because they're going to add inventory. Um, yeah, I, it, it should be like, right now it's... The first week of November, it should probably be. I mean, I, they wouldn't want to do it because I guess it feels kind of weird. But it should probably be right after Thanksgiving for like the playoff yes, push. It yes, should be like December yes. the first. Yeah, I agree. still have five or six weeks left. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. 
You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Makes perfect sense to me. Hey, coming up next, we switch to baseball. Everybody loves the Orioles farm system. What does baseball prospectus think of the Orioles farm system? We'll ask Jared Seidler from Baseball Prospectus next here on The Fan. Orioles beat the Tigers today in spring training baseball. Jackson Holiday had his first hit of the spring, and uh, Kobe Mayo continues to be hot. One for two with a double and another walk. Let's talk some Orioles the farm system side as we go out to the WGK Law guest hotline. We'll talk to Jared Seidler from Baseball Prospectus. And, Jared, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, I guess I'll start here. How amazing is it that this team has graduated Adley and Gunner and Grayson and others and yet still seems to be loaded on the farm? We still have them, as of this offseason, as the top farm system in all of baseball, just edging out the Chicago Cubs. It's an incredible testament to their drafting, especially their player development, especially their hitting development, and they've made some really nifty trades. I know at the time the Trey Mancini trade and the Jorge Lopez trade uh, seemed kind of devastating. They were around the periphery of the race, but the guys they got back in those trades are now um, – poised to make big contributions probably starting this year it's it's really a testament to what uh michael Elias has built there it's one of the absolute best organizations um in all of baseball both in terms of the farm system and the infrastructure they've put in place over the last half decade or so well we'll definitely get to several of the o's who are in your top 101 but since you just went there with those trades then let's let's follow that seth johnson was able to pitch the other day and he was able to get on the mound last year after tj and and show his normal velocity and a very brief sort of dabbling in the minors um mcdermott Povich, you know, McDermott, better season than Povich last year. A lot of people think maybe Povich still has a better pitch mix and maybe more starter pitchability. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those three and how soon we could see them? I really like especially uh, McDermott and Johnson. Um, McDermott's one of those guys where he doesn't always throw quality strikes, so sometimes he ends up you know, walking the ballpark. But just if you put him into a stealth model, the fastball, shape the breaking ball qualities he has real feel for spin 
Um, he's, you know, I could see him making the rotation or contributing pretty early, especially with the injuries that they've uh, already suffered early on. You know, they have some room in the rotation. Um, Seth Johnson was one of my favorite prospects a couple of years ago before he had Tommy John surgery. Um, kind of the same thing, just, you know, really cool fastball, really cool slider. Um, kind of gotten forgotten about because he had one of those badly timed Tommy Johns where yeah. he missed the better part of two years. But he's on the 40-man roster, and he's a guy that if they can get him stretched back out, pitch 140, 150 innings, which might take a year or two, he's a guy that definitely has a chance to be a mid-rotation starter pretty much immediately. And Povich is right there as well. He's As you mentioned, he's a little bit more polished. He's probably a little bit more ready to be a back-of-the-rotation type guy right now if that's what they're looking for. But, yeah, all of these guys, they, they really – they have not invested heavily in the draft in pitching. No. Um, they have not taken a pitcher above the late second round um, under Elias, and yet they've still been producing quality major league arms from their system. It's a real testament to how well they're identifying these guys, how well they're developing them, and how well that works together. Like the, you know, Yenny or Cano, they nabbed in, in a small transaction thinking that they could fix his arm slot, and then they were able to actualize that. Now he's one of the best uh, relievers in the American League a year and a half later. We're talking to Jared Seidler. It's Inside Access here on The Fan. And, uh, Jared, one of the other things that, that we, Jason and I have been fascinated about, about the, what Michael Elias has done is this organization, until he got there, basically abstained from international signings. And they've started that. They now have this uh, Dominican Academy, and they're starting to see the fruits of this, starting with Samuel Basayo, who you guys seem to really like. Yeah, we had Basayo in the top 15. I think we had him number 13 overall in the yes. 101. He did some power stuff that for an 18-year-old, he turned, I believe he turned 19 during the season yeah. last year, you just don't see guys hit that ball hit the ball that hard at that age. It just like does not happen. There's not a whole lot of comparables. And almost all guys that hit the ball that hard when they're young – end up like really exploding his prospects, like Junior Caminero is another example of that in the Tampa Bay system, um, where he just, he absolutely smacks the ball all around the diamond, um, makes really good swing decisions. So he's nice power, patience type combination. I don't know if he's going to catch. Right. He's in the maybe catching bucket. There's, there's guys that are obviously going to catch from day one. Adley Rutschman, for example, was one of the best defenders in the minors the second he signed out of the draft. And then there's guys that you know are never going to catch. He's in like that mushy middle ground where he might or he might not, depending on how the next couple of years go. They may not need him to, obviously, because Adley's going to be around for a little while. Um, and his bats, you know, here he reached double A last year. He could be ready at some point this year, at worst next year. Um, so you might be looking at him as a first base or DH type situation there. Um, albeit that they also have lots of other candidates for those positions. Well, and let and let's say that that's where he is earmarked too. Then he he and Kobe Mayo can't both play first base at the same time. You guys have Kobe Mayo fifteenth. He started to play more first base when he got to AAA last year at Norfolk. But it's been interesting to me so far, and it's early days. But every spring outing so far, he's been at third. Do you think he could stick there? Because obviously the bat's probably ready right now. I think he has a chance to. He's a big guy, yeah. um, but his actions aren't that bad at third base. It's just he's going to be really big for that position. So it's like he has to get the range up. He has to be able to make every play. 
I've, I've always been curious, um, dating back to when he was in A-ball, I always thought for his level of athleticism inside that a corner outfield type uh-huh. spot actually might work for him. I could see them experimenting with that. I don't believe they've actually done it yet. Um, but that's, you know, yeah, they're going to start running into a log jam in a lot of these yeah. positions. You know, oh, Jack, yeah. Jackson Holiday is about to force some issues, too, in the middle infield where they've just got – you know, four or five major league quality middle infielders. And if you start bumping Jordan Westberg out to like a corner outfield slot or to third base, then it cascades further down the line. They, they've almost got too much offensive young talent right there. Uh, they have done really well so far sorting through who the actual keepers are and getting them the priority playing time. Yeah. I'm going to be interested to see if it's a little – tougher to do that when it's more highly ranked prospects as opposed to Ryan O'Hearn figuring out that Ryan O'Hearn needs to play. Um, Cause there's a little bit more on the line when you've got like Colton Towser, um, who's kind of on the roster bubble this year and mm-hmm. might be, might be taken North in a less than full-time role. Like how do you, how do you manage that with you've got a top 50 prospect and you've got a role for him, but it might only be 300 or 400 plate appearances. It becomes an interesting managerial problem. Well, Jared, let's get to the, the, the three of the outfielders who, who made your top 101. Kerstad is at 41, Kowser 51, and last year's first-round pick, Enrique Bradfield Jr. at 82. Yeah, Bradfield, I love that selection for the Orioles. They are really good at optimizing what hitters do well, and he's a guy that if you optimize what he does well, which is contact and speed, and you get those balls hit into the right place, he could hit for some really high averages, play a sensational center field, and steal a ton of bases. Towser is interesting. He's very good at certain things. He's very patient. He makes very good swing decisions. He absolutely crushes fastballs. He's had some problems with breaking balls. That's a prospect profile that we've seen some prospects struggle to make a major league transition with. And he also heavily struggled when they called him up last year. So that's kind of something to watch. We're not totally off of him. I personally think he can play center field decently well. I know that's been a topic of some debate in the prospect community, um, his defensive yeah. projection he may just kind of end up being like a corner masher platoon type that, that's cool too and the Orioles are pretty well positioned to utilize him there if they think that that's his uh long-term home and Kierstad the problem with Kierstad is he chases too much he just swings at too many pitches outside the zone he has a really nifty contact and power combination if they can just teach him to lay off a little bit more he has a chance to be a real big real big offensive contributor but he's another one where he may end up kind of sliding down into first base dh scenario at some point so that's another real log jam type situation jared seidler baseball perspectives where you can find him jared great stuff man thank you so much for your time Thanks for having me. Always a blast. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Coming up next, Orioles. The article came out this morning in The Athletic. The sale likely to become official by April. They're hoping opening day, if not soon thereafter. Time for a little necessary roughness. Maybe it's time to spend a little bit of cash. That's next here on The Fan. Inside Access. And this may be a flag. No flag. Let's see if we can get an even better view here. No replays. This is necessary. 
Brought to you by First Preference Mortgage, your full-service lender. Call 410-529-5400. It might get ugly right now. Jason LaCanfora and Ken Wyman. Inside Access. It is getting ugly right now. On 105.7 The Fan. I mean, it's a tear uh, to some extent. It depends where the tear is. PRP works in some areas and doesn't work in others. And I'm assuming... They got a read on it saying that this is going to be more susceptible to healing with with uh, PRP. And I'm somewhat optimistic, but I'm always hesitant to be that optimistic on these things because it's a crapshoot. I've seen sometimes it works. I'm like Tanaka had a had a tour, had this pretty much the same thing mm-hmm. and and was able to pitch through it. You know, there's always some variation of tears and stuff. It may not be a significant one, but it's definitely something to watch. Well, I, I, I think from from my experiences, eventually that's probably going to happen, but I hope not. All I can tell you is as a pitching coach, whenever those those things go out, they're put out there, you go, uh-oh, and then it eventually leads to a, a, a Tommy John surgery. Rob Freeman, the pitching ninja, on with us yesterday, and Leo Mazzone talking to the bone, former pitching coach, about Tommy John surgeries. I will mention also, Mark Feinstein joined us yesterday and talked about the Tanaka thing, and he was covering the Yankees at the time. And Tanaka pitched his whole career with whatever it was, and he brought up the fact that you don't know the percentage of the tear, and they're never going to tell you the percentage of the no. tear. But yes, more often than not, this leads to Tommy John surgery, and that's yeah. Kyle Bradish we're talking about. Yes, and and um, we don't know where this is going, but we do know that there's now a report that new ownership could be literally days away. Yeah, the athletic Evan Drellich from the Athletic says that uh, the sale will become it's likely going to become official in April. Uh, it also told an outside chance the sale could be done in time for opening day. Only procedural yeah. hurdles remain rather than substantive issues. He also says if we miss opening day, it's not for lack of trying, but it should be shortly thereafter. That's a quote. So we're there and and the market is what it is. There there are a number of pitchers who frankly thought they would have had deals done way before now who haven't. And if they're able to thread this with Bradish, that's awesome. But I just again don't think banking on that. Mm-hmm. And then also hoping that you won't have other pitcher injuries, maybe sooner rather than later, possibly well before the trade deadline. I just don't know that other people, if that happens, are going to be ready to sell as quickly as you might be ready to buy because your margins have gotten slimmer. And we were just talking, you know, to Jared Seidler about Povich and McDermott and Seth Johnson. I got news for you. They don't think any of them are ready right now. Mm-hmm. Not not for where this team is um, in its ascent. So I would just urge everybody over there involved in this new management team, this new ownership team, to think long and hard about empowering Mike Elias to do what he has to do to bring in one of these starting pitchers, Snell or Montgomery, I guess Lorenzen if you wanted to go that way, but just to add some significant insurance in case this isn't the last time we hear something about an Orioles starting pitcher and a less than favorable health outcome because they weren't the only one. Bradish was not the only one who's taken a jump up in innings the last few years, yeah. right? COVID screwed everything up for a lot of people, and that ram- those ramifications are going to be felt for a while. I just think that there's so many things that have fallen into place here 
The latest one being, again, this really is going to be a fast-track change. Go do something significant even before you officially take over. Go spend what it takes to get one of these guys here for one year. Just talking about a one-year financial commitment and give everybody, I was going to say figurative, but it's more like literal, shot in the arm, in the arms, in the rotation, and take a little bit of the load off everybody else by bringing in somebody who's ready to go. I also look at it like this. Let's say we, we're we going to be the ultimate optimists and Kyle Bradish pitches this year and he pitches like we thought he, he was going to pitch, et cetera, et cetera, and there aren't any injuries. We're talking about a team that we've said all offseason is, is World Series or bust, right? Well, yes. If everything goes according to plan and you add a Jordan Montgomery or a Blake Snell or even a Michael Lorenzen, well, now you're in even better position to be in position to play for a World Series. I I think it makes sense even best-case scenario, and best-case scenario is probably unlikely. The team who won the World Series last year, did they ever stop adding pitching even they when did you not. thought they might have enough? And no. then it turned out. A bunch of guys got hurt, and Jordan Montgomery helped them win a World yes, Series. Correct. You never know when your inflection point's going to come in a season. It may even start before it begins. I think for the Orioles, it started in late January when they knew Means is at least a month behind, and Bradish isn't feeling good. His freaking elbow's not feeling right, throwing on the side by himself in January. So doesn't always happen that those things occur – and you've got a two-time Cy Young Award winner out there and a guy who just shoved it up your backside mm-hmm. in the playoffs and did the same thing to everybody else, helping a team win a World Series. Having more of an impact on that team winning a World Series than Scherzer and all these, all these uh, DeGrom and all these other arms. Go do it. Yeah, Go they, do it. They added starting pitching. They added bullpen arms. Like, Aroldis Chapman became a, a, a setup guy for them. He couldn't handle the closure. They, they, like, they kept adding and adding and adding. And, yes, I think it's time for the Orioles to be on that plan. Coming up next, we head back to the Combine. John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, they spoke to the media. What did we learn? We'll tell you next here on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.